Hello, my friends. It's Ryan from the Prolific Creator Podcast. Now, many of you have asked, hey, Ryan, how do I support the show? Well, I finally listened. Starting today, you can subscribe to the Prolific Creator Plus on ACAST Plus for $3 a month. That's less than a cup of coffee. No apps to download and listen wherever you get your podcasts. Get access to the entire archive of Prolific Creator Awesomeness. Over 160 episodes going back to 2017. Yes, that's right, my friends. A plethora of information and inspiration, tips, tricks, and interviews to get your art and work into the world. Remember those ads? Say bye, bye, bye. Wait, there's more. For $5 a month, you can get access to the full prolific creator experience. This includes the full archives, early access to episodes, listener Q&A, book and movie reviews, and interviews not for the public, and perhaps any other awesomeness I might do on the microphone. Sounds awesome, right? Yeah, it does, Ryan. If you want to listen for free, you'll notice the last 50 episodes or so will always be available wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember, by subscribing today, you don't have to download any new apps, and you can simply keep listening on the podcast platform you prefer. Cool. Okay. Cool. Thanks for your love and support in advance. Simply click on the link in the show notes or on my website, and it'll take you where you need to go. Now on to the show. Uh, I think the the thing we should be encouraging people to do is get their ideas out there because I think there's a real need for ideas and there's a real need for critical thought. And that all goes back to what are you consuming? (laughs) You know, and are you consuming it with, you know, a critical mind with some skepticism, right? Or are you just sort of taking everything in and then sort of, you know, going with the, the way, whichever the way the wind blows? Hey, it's Ryan from the Prolific Creator, where we talk about life and art and see what sticks. And hello, my friends. Today, we have a special guest, Emily Crookston, on the show, who is a former philosophy professor turned ghostwriter, turned content strategy, turned person who helps people write books, get their words out into the world, and also a person who helps write best-selling books and what makes for a bestseller. So you're going to love this episode as we dig into why do people write books? Why do people read books? What makes for a good book? And you're going to hear a lot of Emily's story of ghostwriting and the ups and the downs of that and what she's learned from that. And I have to say, my friends, it has been a long time since we've had an episode live and my deepest sincere apologies, but I'm really thankful that even in this hiatus, uh, we've had lots and lots of downloads and people reaching out. And actually, I've been doing some a few interviews behind the scenes. And so things got a little crazy. The last episode was Thanksgiving. And now it's, if you're listening to this live or in the month of April, it's Easter. And so we've been on a long hiatus. And it's been way too long. Some things have happened. We had some COVID. And we had some sickness. We had holidays. I started a graduate program. Life has been busy with kids and other things. Um, so we took a little bit of a hiatus, uh, but I've been loading up many interviews. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to sharing these with you. And it's been way too long. Um, and I really appreciate just the kind emails and people checking in and how you doing and really love the show and things are, uh, this has been really helpful. So it's really cool because I, th- I really love podcasts because you can listen to them anytime. 
you can go back and listen to all the episodes that we have. And we have hundreds at this point where you can go listen to different interviews and learn about the craft, learn about creativity. And so I'm really thankful for the medium of the podcast and that we can go away for a while and yet people can still find you and still be encouraged and still get help uh, when it comes to your creativity and what you're making and what you're writing, what you're doing. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to sharing these interviews. We have some very diverse people on the show, which I love um, doing different things. We have poets and we have ghostwriters and we have editors and we have people helping you get your work out into the world. We have nurses who are writing novels. And so uh, just a lot of cool people and doing really neat stuff out in the world. And so I'm really thankful to be sharing these with you. Uh, and so we're in April uh, Emily Crookston's on the show and in the next couple of weeks, we'll be having a regular, hopefully weekly launch. I have some interviews in the can. So be looking for those as well. And those may even come out before the week's end, uh, just to get those out to you. And, uh, yeah, a lot of good interviews lined up as well. And like I always say, if you have anyone that you want me to interview, uh, you have a buddy in mind yourself, your writer, your creator, you're a painter, uh, you're making cool things, sharing cool things, doing the generous thing out in the world. Uh, please reach out to me and I'd love to chat with you and hear your story and share your story with others. Uh, and so that's the great joy of being able to do this. So let me know if you'd be interested Just shoot me an email at hello at ryanjpelton.com and we'll make sure we get you out here telling your story. A uh, couple other things, uh, sign up for the newsletter. If you haven't already on the website, ryanjpelton.com and uh, you'll stay updated on the podcast when they come out. Obviously they haven't come out in a few months, um, but other articles and resources and links and things that I try to share with the world and a variety of subjects. And hopefully that'd be encouragement to you. And also there's a lot of great free resources on the website as well. Um, if you're writing or creating or trying to get your stuff out in the world, there's some other stuff to help you along the way there. So check that out. There's, um, quite a few people on that, that newsletter that, that seem to enjoy it. So, um, and I, I will admit it's supposed to be a weekly newsletter and that rarely happens. So I, I apologize, but it's okay. I know our inboxes are full. So well, without further ado, I would love to share with you my conversation with Emily Crookston. Well, hey, welcome everyone to the Prolific Creator Podcast. So thankful today to have Emily Crookston on the show. And Emily, uh, like any good superhero, uh, they all come from somewhere. They have an origin story. Why don't you say hello and just tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you? Where are you from? What's going on? Sure. Hi, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Um, yeah, I am a ghostwriter. I like to say I'm the ghostwriter for Rebels, Renegades, and Mavericks. Um, but of course, as with, I think, most ghostwriters, I didn't um, start out life thinking I wanted to be a ghostwriter. Uh, let me write books for people and be behind the scenes my whole life. No, that wasn't the plan. Uh, I was a philosophy professor um, also not a dream job that you, you know, wake up when you're three and people say, Hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> not many people say they want to be philosophy professors. And I didn't either. Um, but I, you know, kind of fell in love with philosophy when I had to take it as a core class, um, decided I want to be a philosophy professor, go to grad school, um, did all that. And then got into the career and realized, uh, this isn't for me. I'm not getting where I'm really want to go. Uh, I need to find a different path. 
and of course went through all the trauma of losing my identity <laughs> you know the, belonging to that career and and who I thought I was going to become um, and said well what did I want to do when I was 13 and before I wanted to be a philosophy professor what did I want to do uh, and the answer was I wanted to do marketing um, so a friend of a friend was looking for marketing help and she owns a web development business. So she needed blog posts and she had clients who needed blog posts. So that's kind of how I started out doing the ghostwriting. I started writing blogs for her and her clients um, and eventually said, I could do longer projects. Um, and she's also the one who planted the idea in my head to start a business around all of this. Um, I when I first got into it, I thought I would go to get a job at a marketing agency. Um, but yeah, I love being an entrepreneur and I'm, I'm, yeah, I just, I love what I do. <laughs> well, great. So yeah, thank you for giving us a little, little background uh, because you do uh, pocket PhD, which I, I love. And so obviously you're, you're trying to use, I mean, some of your background, you know, wasn't probably all wasted uh, you know, I mean, no marketing mm -hmm. and, you know, professor of philosophy is a little different, but, yeah. <laughs> but let's, let's back into that a little bit. So, you know, yeah. what, what was kind of the impetus of, you know, was that home life just asking those bigger, profound existential questions of philosophy? It was kind of funny actually today. I, I don't know why I didn't make the connection. I was reading something about that, how, you know, um, you know, philosophy actually back in the day, you know, even thousands of years ago was like the profession. It was, you know, the degree to get, like, what are the bigger questions of life, you know, next to being a medical doctor. So take us into that. Right. Take us, you know, how did you get into thinking that was the path? Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny because looking back, I can kind of see the thread, you know, I mean, I, I think this is how our lives unfold, right? It's never clear when we're in it and we're trying to figure out the mess that we have before mm -hmm. us. But when we, you know, look back, we can say, oh yeah, I see. Um, I would say that my dad is a philosopher at heart and he was always asking us probing questions, you know, what you learned today. That was always the first question when you got home from school, you know, these kinds of pressing questions going around and debates happening around the dinner table, that kind of thing. Um, I, I wanted to be a lawyer and I figured philosophy would be a really good uh, background for going to law school. And then, I don't know, sometime, at some point that shifted. <laughs> I decided I just wanted to do philosophy. And yeah, you know, it's it, it, I love talking about philosophy. I love thinking about philosophy. I love teaching students about philosophy. Um, but the profession uh, the academic life just wasn't for me. And, mm. you know, I don't need to go into all that, that mm. mess and sadness um, mm. <laughs> of that past, but you know, it's, it, yeah, I, I've always been curious and you're absolutely right that a lot of the skills that I learned in graduate school, I use every day. Um, I, in a lot of ways I'm teaching, um, I'm telling, you know, I have these new LinkedIn services that I've created where I'll do content strategy and content creation for LinkedIn. And I'm always telling my clients, no, this is how the algorithm works. This is what I've seen. This is what I understand. You know, so that background in teaching really helps. And I actually think my own voice, my own writing voice was always sort of, I don't know, too casual for academia. Mm -hmm. And so that's helped me a lot in you know, writing business books and writing business blogs, um, because a lot of what we do without realizing it, you know, if we're giving an opinion and backing it up with some facts, that's just philosophy. That's just what philosophers do. Um, and that's what makes a good blog or a good, you know, book. <laughs> well, I, I love this because I think for a lot of people listening, I mean, we have a lot of writers that listen 
just creative people doing different things. And, and I think yeah. what you're, you're describing is a lot of people that, you know, have found the show or, you have come to me, emailed me. I mean, obviously you're a ghostwriter, so you get this all day long, probably all week long, um, is, you know, I want to write a book. I have something to say. And then it's like, but I'm not a writer. Mm-hmm. And then you, you start probing further and go, actually every day you write, you write emails, you write yeah. you know, you do presentations, you, you know, whatever it is. And then right. all of a sudden they're realizing, actually, I write a lot more than I thought I do. I journal, I have a diary. I have, yeah. you know, um, so those skills are, they're everywhere. It's just a matter, a matter of kind of like harnessing that, um, I also lo- love what you said about, um, I think that's really helpful to realize like in the academic world, maybe my voice is too, um, casual, or maybe I tell too many stories and it's not precise enough, but that's, that's also, I think, good to be self-aware. Like maybe that's not the kind of writer that, you know, I don't want to write sterile, you know, academic papers, yeah. all day, but I feel like I'm a storyteller and, that, and that's important to know that. Right. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think it applies in, in every field. I mean, sure. I work with experts and sometimes what they bring me as a first draft is so jargony and so mm-hmm. full of, you know, I'm just like, oh, we got to put some life in here because it's dry and no one wants to read that. Not even the experts. Mm-hmm. Right, right. <laughs> we all need a little, little something yeah. to, to get us going. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny when I was in grad school, I remember a professor and this kind of kind of messed me up in a, in a weird way mm-hmm. where he said, you know, he, as a professor, you have to write these academic papers like every like quarter or at least yep. semester. And he said, you know, the average readership was one person, <laughs> and, you know, and he, and he just was having, he like was very honest in front of the class. He's like, mm-hmm. I just have a really hard time giving all this time and effort to this very dry, you yeah. know, paper and a subject that nobody really cares about. And only one person's going to read just to keep my mm-hmm. credentials up or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, well, good. So, um, so let's, let's, let's go a little further. So let's talk about the, the kind of writing. So, I mean, obviously looking, you know, thought the path was professorship philosophy, that's all part of it. But then you realize, you know, this knack for writing, writing content, blog posts, things like that. Um, how did you kind of navigate into the world of, of ghostwriting? What, what was kind of the first project or the first time you kind of said, aha, maybe I could, I could do this or that I could help some people do this. Like get us into that, that world a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So as I mentioned, I was uh, writing blogs and said, okay, I'm going to start a business. And then I realized pretty quickly, if I'm going to make a good living writing blog posts, I'm going to have to write like 10 blogs a week, you know, at a minimum. Um, and that just sounded like a, a lot of work and, <laughs> and really hard uh, to keep up with, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and so, you know, I said I could do longer projects. And I, basically, I just started telling people that I'm a business book ghostwriter. I may not even been clarified it as a business book ghostwriter, but I'm a ghostwriter because the first project I actually did was a memoir. Um, and I love reading memoir. I, I, I love that as a genre. Um, and I'm open to doing more mem- memoirs. And in fact, a lot of the business books I work on have some you know, memoir elements in them. People tell their personal stories um, within their business books. Um, but yeah, it was a, a memoir for a, a woman who was a professional dancer. Um, and I knew her uh, personally. So it was a, a kind of a natural, you know, she said, I'm writing a book and I need some help. And so I helped her out uh, with that book. And basically she handed over her diary and I turned it into a book. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, so that was a fun project and it just showed me, it gave me the confidence to say that I, I can do this, you know, and I think being naturally curious, being naturally collaborative, um, and, and having the research ability behind me, uh, makes this, you know, makes this kind of the sweet spot, uh, for me. Mm-hmm. 
So I love hearing kind of the evolution of like, obviously that first memoir or first book was probably difficult. I'm guessing unless you're just, you know, magical. And it was like, Oh, that's a piece of cake. Um, (laughs) But what has been the, um, like when you started that first project versus like today, like what, what Mm. what do you do differently between um, you know, that first time, what you learned from that first project to, to like today? I mean, you can, I mean, be as general, be as specific. I mean, if it's outlining, Ah. if it's research, if it's just whatever, like what what are some things you learned along from that first project till till now? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, So I I would say, so I eventually developed a sort of standard process that I use. And so my process now is 16 weeks. Uh, So that's four months. And I require my clients to come to me with an outline. So those are probably the two biggest things I changed between (laughs) that first project and the most recent project that I finished. Um, But yeah, so that with that first project, you know, I really didn't have an idea of a deadline. You know, we didn't, I don't think we ever really sort of outlined, we may have said, okay, you know, by the fall, I want to publish this thing or whatever. And we started in the summer or whatever it was. Um, But yeah, and I know a lot of ghostwriters actually work that way. In fact, I've talked to people and I tell them I have a 16 week process and they say, oh, 16 weeks, don't, don't give people that kind of deadline. Don't tell them that, that what, you know, because things happen in the writing process, right? You get stuck. Um, But I think, you know, when I require my clients to come to me with an outline, what I'm really saying to them is that I need to know that you've wrapped your mind around this topic enough to help me get over those humps and to get through those little struggles. Um, so it's a really collaborative process. We meet weekly, we talk through a piece of the book, and I go away and write for 10 or 20 hours um, during the week. And then they generally will do the editing or they'll ask me to do the editing. Um, so it really is almost co-writing um, in the end. And the reason for that is because I really want them to own that book. You know, the first book that I wrote, I, I think that she felt like she owned it, but I think there may have been moments where it was more my voice than her voice coming through. And I think part of that was because I hadn't developed this collaboration and, you know, figured out how to make that piece work as well as I do now. Um, but yeah, I really want my authors to feel like this book is theirs because, you know, I've, I've written other books, you know, where I basically the, the person gave me a headline or a, uh, title, you know, a working title, um, and not much else. And we only talked for about five minutes a week as I was working on that project. And I, to me, I don't know how you can go on the media or talk to people on a podcast about your book if you don't even know what's in it, you know. Um, so I really want them to be involved in the process as much as possible. And that's the biggest thing that I've changed. <laughs> so so when someone like a client comes to you and they're, you know, saying, hey, I got this book idea, they hand you over a diary or, you know, whatever it is, or, yeah. or now in your process, an outline, um, what's, what's the typical reason for them going, I really want a ghostwriter. I don't think I can do this. Or, you know, I don't, I don't even want to collaborate. I just want you to kind of, kind of write it. Is there, is there different reasons for that? Or um, is there a common thread through it? Or tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest reason people want to work with a ghostwriter is for speed. Mm. Um, In my experience, anyway, I think the 16 week processes are really good value proposition. Like it's a really big benefit that I uh, provide Um, because, you know, it happened to me this year. I, at the beginning of the year, I said I was going to write a book and I worked on it for eight weeks or so. And then I got stuck and I put it down and then I picked it back up in October. And it's not 
still still not finished. I don't know if I'll finish it this year. Um, and that happens to so many people, right? They start working on a book and then life happens or work happens. Um, and I hear so from so many people, oh, if I could just go to the mountains for six weeks, I could get this thing banged out, you know, but not many people have that as an option either. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of them come to me because of time. Um, but also, you know, these people, the mainly the people I'm working with are entrepreneurs, or at the very least, you know, they're, they're not writers as, uh, you know, as, as their expertise is not in writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've got other things going on. And they don't feel the confidence that they could need, would need to sort of write the book in the cracks of their life. It can happen. Plenty of people DIY their own books and they write it, you know, at 11 p.m. or they get up at 4 a.m. and <laughs> write their books or they work on, a, on it on the weekends, you know, and that can work. Um, but a lot of people, you know, they 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 want to get they want the feeling of this is an encapsulated project. It has a start and a finish. Um, at this point, I know I'm going to have a draft finished. Um, and and I think that can be really helpful. Mm-hmm. So um, not to be like controversial or anything, but, you know, yeah. as far as like deciding like how when someone says like, well, I didn't really write the book. I mean, do you ever put I'm always confused with like sometimes your your name will be on it with the author, but really the ghostwriter is kind of the one that wrote most of it. I mean, let's yeah. be honest. Um, is there conversations about that? Like how to best present the book or, you know, I mean, how do you kind of mm-hmm. get around that too? Just like wanting to make sure like, Hey, this, like you said earlier, like this is really your book. Like I'm helping you do the actual mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. words on the paper, but the reality is it's still your story. Like I'm not, I'm just yeah. kind of a, you know, yeah. helping you along here. Like, how do you, how right. do you kind of navigated that? Yeah. Yeah. That's a question I get a lot. And I will say I never felt, honestly, I've never felt like, oh, I wish I got credit for this thing. Um, And I think the reason for that is the ideas are not mine. I never think of them as my ideas. I couldn't write a book on um, pelvic floor. I wrote a book with a pelvic floor physical therapist. I know very (laughs) little about the muscles of the pelvic floor. I could, I could not have written that book. Um, And it's the same with a parenting book that I I wrote in the spring. Um, You know, the expert brings so much to the work um, that I do that it just, those ideas don't feel like mine. I don't feel like anybody's stealing anything from me (laughs) or anything like that. But the conversation happens and I have been in the acknowledgements section of books that I've ghostwritten. And I always appreciate that. I think it's really nice. Um, in fact, I, I would love to see more people talking about using ghostwriters um, because it happens a lot more than we know. And, uh, you know, I think, look, we outsource all kinds of things in our businesses. I outsource my bookkeeping. I outsource my accounting. And I never feel any shame around that. You know? <laughs> but somehow there's this shame around putting your thoughts out or, or someone else writing your thoughts for you somehow um, or, or however you want to put it. Um, but yeah, I just, I feel really strongly. And I think that the collaboration helps a lot. It's really a mind meld and sure. In most cases I could be kind of a co-author um, and that would make a lot of sense uh, in a lot of cases, but you know, this book is for them and there's not honestly that much uh, benefit I would get from having my name on those books anyway. And I make sure that, you know, I'm compensated well, so that, you know, I, I feel good about that. Sure. Yeah. I think there's a, there's a bigger history, even ghostwriting that people would be surprised by even, you know, back yeah. in the day where someone would just kind of 
speak the story or speak the book and then yes. someone else would do it and edit it. And, you know, and it, I mean, right, it's still right. their story, but really the other person's kind of making it readable and you, yeah. know, you can't say that or that, you know, let's move this or, you know, I mean, that's, yeah, that's what an editor yeah. does anyways. But um, <laughs> no, I, I love that. I, I think um, there's a kind of a movement. I don't know. I know you do mostly nonfiction. Is that correct? Yes. Um, yeah, all fiction yeah. space, <laughs> even some big name guys like James Patterson and some, I mean, they, he kind of has like a, yeah almost like a, like a right. factory of books, stable you know? of writers yeah. Yeah, just kind of some like outlines yeah. and someone else is just writing them. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, it does get, get interesting uh, into that. But um, mm-hmm. now along these, these lines, when someone comes to you with, with a book idea now, do you, do you help, do you do just good ghost writing or do you actually help like coach kind of writers to get their book out in the world and things like that? Or is it, is it mainly ghost writing? It's all ghost writing. I don't okay. do book coaching, but I also do developmental editing, which, okay. you know, it can cross the line into coaching a little bit because, okay. but they, I require when I do editing that they bring on a, a, you know, complete draft. Complete okay. to me. Yeah. So, so along those lines, just so I can make sure I frame my, my question, right. Is, mm-hmm. you know, the new process is, you know, you bring some kind of outline. What would you say is kind of the, the weakness or the mistakes that writers come when they come to you and they say, here's my book. And then here's an outline. <laughs> and you're like, that's not a book. Uh, or, you know, um, what, yeah. are, what are some of the like specific things that you go like, yeah, here's where we need to work on this, or here's where we need to add this, or this is not anything worth yeah. while. Go, go, yeah. go talk about that. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, well, I will say the first thing is uh, I usually make sure that that doesn't happen because we've talked enough prior to getting started and seeing an outline where we're we're on the same page about, you know, there's an idea here, there's a book here, and it's worth pursuing. Um, one of the biggest questions, number one question I ask prospects is, what's the business case for this book? Um, because... You know, writing a book is a hard, long process. And if you don't have a clear idea of what that book can do for you in your business, uh, it may not be the right time. It may not be the thing that's worth pursuing at the moment for you. Uh, maybe you need to create an online course. You know, these, these kinds of questions come up. So I want to know how you see this book fitting in with your business model and uh, growing your business going forward. Um, and then, you know, from there, I would say, you know, most most of the time we can massage those book ideas or those, you know, working outlines uh, to become a clear book. And I always make clear that, you know, when you bring the outline, it's a working outline. We might move things around. We might need to figure out what the hook is here. Um, But I really like to have that kind of in front of me from the beginning, because I think it creates a a better book in the end. Uh, You can write a book just by, you know, putting down some thoughts, random thoughts without worrying about the outline. Um, But then you don't know where you're going. You don't really know what the direction is. So it's kind of like a map, you know, you want to be able to kind of lay it out and see it in big strokes in front of you. Um, And then you can fill in the the little pieces along the way. Um, So, you know, I think if, if a person has, you know, because these are business books, they're often really closely tied to people's work. And so usually getting those details is a matter of, well, tell me about how you do this, you know, to explain to me how you work with a client who has this challenge, right? What are the results? Like what, you know, almost like a case study. Let's, let's talk through that and figure out what it looks like. And then usually I can kind of see the pieces that I think a reader um, would need to hear and see um, to fill in uh, the basic gaps around there. The other big mistake that I think first time authors especially make is they 
don't realize how much work needs to be done after the book is finished and published, right? The marketing uh, of the book and the promotion of the book is as much, if not more, work than getting the writing done itself. Um, so, you know, you've got to go in with your eyes wide open and <laughs> hence the reason to ask about the business case for the book, because it, it's, it really is a, a long project. And, you know, are you thinking of giving this book away most of the time? Or are you thinking about going on the speaking circuit, right? What's, what's the reason? What's the why behind that book? That's really good. I, I like that. So along those lines, um, th- this is probably a, maybe a selfish question for me um, <laughs> is that I've, I've written books and I just can't figure out the minute I think I know something, I realize it just, there's no yeah. concrete answers. And especially when it comes to nonfiction, because I have some longer nonfiction yeah. and then I have some shorter nonfiction and the shorter, even with audiobooks and eBooks and print books, they, they sell like crazy. And mm-hmm. yet, yet everyone says, well, they're just not long enough or that's not, no one's going to buy an audiobook. It's only an hour or hour and a half uh, or you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's like the moment I, I think about that, I, I realize I'm just proven wrong and, and I'm a big reader. So I don't care if it's short or long, if it's just something I need, that's what I need. And I, you know, if it's yeah. good, it's good. Right. Yeah. Um, but is there any lessons you're learning along the way, just when it comes to, you know, someone comes to you with a business idea or a business book, and do you think about like length? Do you think about how big it is, how accessible it is? Um, all, you know, publishing platforms, is that evolving, changing in your, your estimation as far as publishing? Cause it feels like the, the minute I think I haven't figured out, I'm totally wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The publishing world is this huge thing that d- really does feel like it's shifting all the time. And I think it's shifted, especially with the pandemic. I think there's been some big shifts in the publishing world. Um, yeah, I am totally with you about length. I don't think there's a particular length that a book should be. Um, I think the book should be as long as it needs to be to uh, convey the ideas that you're trying to convey. Um, and so, uh, you know, a short audio book, sure. And, you know, sometimes the book should just be an ebook, right? It can just be a PDF that lives on your website that maybe you charge a couple bucks for, or you even give it away for free as a download, you know, Um, that's totally fine. But what I tell my clients when they come to me wanting to write, you know, a business book, they're going to self-publish. I say aim for 40,000 words. Um, That's about a three or four hour reading uh, time. So I used to call them airplane books when we could take flights. You know, mm-hmm. I guess we're getting back to flights now, but uh, yeah. So like an airplane book, like you want, you want a business book to, to be, I think in general, something that somebody can digest in an afternoon, you know, in a, in a day for sure. Um, Because people just don't want to spend three weeks (laughs) reading your tome or, you know, they're just going to lose interest. So, you know, you, you pack it full of really good information, forget about the padding, um, forget about trying to get to 60,000 words or whatever it Mm -hmm. is. Um, I'm just about to finish an edit, finish an editing project and it's just under 30,000 words. And I think it's one of the best books I've read in a really long time. Um, so, you know, it, it, there's no particular length that anything needs to be, but if you shoot for that, you'll get like a substantial book when it's printed, you know, it feels, it feels like a book. It doesn't feel like a pamphlet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, something like that, uh, is a good sort of target. So, so books in general, like the, you know, the, people say, oh, you know, print books are just, they're, they don't exist anymore. They're, they're going away with the dodo bird, all those things. But it seems like the minute we start saying that, like they've actually have read some stuff about eBooks, how eBooks have actually mm-hmm. kind of stalled out and print books are actually mm-hmm. <laughs> rising again and audiobooks yeah. are, you know, going crazy and, and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
you know, what, what do you think is the best thing about a print? Let's say, I, I know mm. you mentioned other formats, obviously most books are in probably multiple formats, but yeah. the actual like tangible print book or just a book in general, um, mm-hmm. what's the value for that? Someone that's in the business, someone that's writing nonfiction, somebody that's like, Hey, I, I do this thing. I make this thing. I solve these problems. Yeah. Um, w- w- when you get that done for your client, what, what do they kind of say is like, what, what does this help them do? I mean, cause do people still read? Is this even a, you know, why waste time? Right. <laughs> you know, why not just make videos or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah why yeah. be a ghostwriter? What's the point? Right. Obviously, <laughs> right. I only have lots of clients. So yeah. Right. Nobody so reads anymore. Yeah. 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 No, that's a great point. So I will say I buy eBooks and I buy print books myself and I buy audiobooks too. I love an audiobook for a long road trip. Um, that kind of thing. Uh, so I will say that for me, the difference is I like to buy a print book if it's something that I want to underline, I want to take notes in, I want to go back to. It's pretty hard for me to flip through my Kindle and find that page that I, you know, am thinking of later. Um, so sometimes, you know, I'll screw up and I'll buy, I'll buy the Kindle version and then I'm reading it and I'm like, oh no, I want to take notes. And I hate the highlight version, you know, mm-hmm. highlight function mm-hmm. in my Kindle. Um, so I almost always buy all of my business books, personal development, business development uh, type books in print so that I can mark them up mm-hmm. um, and take notes and also hand them over to other people. Like sometimes I want to pass something down and I can't do that with the right. with the Kindle. Um, but yeah, you know, I think a lot of people when the pandemic hit, I heard a lot of people talking about how they couldn't focus, they couldn't read at all. Um, or they, you know, they, and they weren't listening to audiobooks as much anymore because they weren't commuting, mm-hmm. you know, all of these things. But, it, you know, you're so right. It's very sick, cyclical, you know, mm-hmm. and people get just as sick and tired of reading <laughs> social media posts as they do of reading long books. Um, and I think that there, there is a hunger for like remarkable content there's so much content and so much noise out there that I think like substantive heavy stuff like sometimes I find myself craving it like I need something with some teeth in it you know I'm sick of reading the same 20 uh you know tips on how to write better social media posts so yeah right yeah I'm glad you're saying this because I think what you what you tapped into is just even the ways readers read and their needs Cause I think one of the, the problems with audiobook, again, like you said, with nonfiction, it's like, if you're a, you know, taking notes on it and you want to use some of this information for later, like, how do you find where that is? It's like, oh, I remember at this one is chapter three. I don't remember, you know, even, even Kindle like, or eBooks, mm-hmm. it's, it's the technology is still not there for marking mm-hmm. up, keeping notes and then finding it later. I mean, it's no. like you go back and it's just like, and then if you want to export it, it's a nightmare and it's just Mm-mm. not. But yeah. yeah just, I find, I'll find myself Googling words that I think I remember, you know, trying to find them, you know, online that way. Um, Yeah. And I'm a really visual learn, like, you know, when I remember something, I remember the side of the book, the side of the page, you know, which side it's on and and where it was on the page. So, yeah. Yeah. And and I think that, I mean, these different mediums, there's, it's almost like a little bit of something for everyone. I think that's why we don't want to get hung up necessarily on the platform either, because I think, you know, the person going on the train, you know, has an hour commute every day, like audiobooks are great, you know, and, right. and, mm-hmm. and they can get information for whatever, or, you know, hear fiction or whatever it is. Um, that's yeah, what, I think multiple helpful. formats, multiple formats uh, is the way to go. You know, I mm-hmm. even encourage people to put excerpts of their book out on social or put it out in your blog, you know, mm-hmm. um, many ways of talking about these things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Well, yeah, let's, let's talk about that a little bit. Um, as far as the marketing promoting side, uh, I read a recent article, uh, actually I think yesterday, um, and the authors, well-known authors sold a lot of books. And, um, and the question that he got was, you know, does social media really sell books? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and one of his replies was technically social media doesn't sell books when I'm doing it, but, <laughs> but when someone else is doing it, it can be successful. You know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. like if I'm just like, buy my book, buy my book, no one buys yeah. my books, but yeah. like when my friend does it or a right. marketing, you know, some, yeah. or someone that read it goes like, Oh, this is great. You should read it. It's, it does yeah. work. Right. Yes. Um, yes. but let's talk about just marketing in general. Mm-hmm. Um, so you get a client, you know, you always, you said the hardest you know, job is after the book is written, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, now what do we do with this thing? How do we get it yeah. in front of people? Um, what do you see working? What are some plans, some strategies, some tips, some ideas that you have that, that seems to be fairly effective when it comes to marketing? Cause I know writers hate marketing. Um, yeah. you know, it's just like the worst thing. You just feel spammy and gross. And you know, yeah, you know, yeah. Especially if you're always like, oh, buy my book, buy my book, you know, right. I mean, no, you, should, it, you should do that anyways, but, yeah. um, but yeah, tell, tell us a little bit about the marketing promoting side. Yeah, it can get, it can get exhausting, especially if you don't have a good plan. Yeah. And ideally you should start marketing your book before it's finished. Uh, that helps you. It gives you so much momentum when you say, okay, the book is going to be published on this date and you can like, you know, announce that to the world. Then it's like, okay, well, I got to get it done, you know, and it, it can be a really good thing because people are like, yeah, cheering you on and, and all of that stuff. So I always recommend starting, you know, a few months ahead of when you want to publish um, the book, ideally. Um, and, you know, what really works is putting excerpts out. I, I will say that I think putting out little pieces of the book as teasers and talking about those pieces of the book in a broader context, you know, tying those ideas in with, you know, how the value of what you do for your clients or, you know, um, your speaking uh, opportunities, you know, your, your speaking topics, that kind of thing. Uh, So tying and putting those book excerpts in context rather than just, just copying, pasting. Um, But, and as you mentioned, other people talking about your book, getting other people to read it ahead of time. um, I always recommend choosing like five, to 10 beta readers um, and letting them get a hold of the book as soon as it's finished with the editors. Um, if you give them a few weeks to read it over and ask them for a blurb of some kind, you can ask them to go on Amazon and review it for you as well. Um, asking readers to leave you a review on Amazon is, is one of the biggest things I've seen helping authors uh, get up on the bestseller lists on Amazon. Um, making that kind of a standard practice. Oh, thank you for buying the book. If you wouldn't mind leaving me a review, that's really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and don't just ask for a review, explain to them why it's helpful to you as an author. Um, people want to be helpful. So they, they want to have that feeling of, oh, I'm helping out here. Um, I've seen people have really good success by building a, a launch team as well. So they uh, get to get together a group of friends uh, who've who've been beta readers probably or who have give, been given free copies of the book and in exchange they go and promote the book to their networks mm-hmm. um, that's the kind of stuff I think works this day and age <laughs> to, to to promote and sell mm-hmm. that's good and I, I think everything you described doesn't sound scary I mean for those that are listening yeah. like I have this book and I you know I'm tired of talking about it or whatever I mean it's right getting a few you know fans that really like the yeah. book and can be kind of the 
almost be your promoters instead of you. Cause that, that's funny. Cause it's actually what you you're saying was this article that I read where he was kind of saying like, that's the point. The point is like you, you kind of just fade into the background. It's actually everybody else that's promoting it and, you know, writing blurbs yeah. and it's not you. I mean, the author's kind of irrelevant in some, some ways. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It doesn't have to feel sleazy at all. And no. you know, it's a simple ask and most people are really happy to help out. Sure. Yeah. Sure. That's good. I, I know we, that's probably the biggest question I get all the time is like, how do we get books out there? How do we yeah. you know, sell books? Um, and I don't think there's a magic formula either because uh, mm-hmm. I, I did an interview with an author not too long ago and he was talking about success with in-person uh, sales. I mean, he goes to conferences mm-hmm. and he's like a sci-fi writer and he sells tons of books, just person to person, you know, yeah. in yeah. bookstores and different things. So, mm-hmm. um, so no wrong way there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about you specifically because it's obvious you write a lot of books. Um, you're a ghostwriter, so you're working on all kinds of projects all the time. But I want to talk about kind of your creative habits and kind mm-hmm. of you know how those have shifted over the years. Obviously, you went from professorship, you know, mm-hmm. different rhythms, different ways of mm-hmm. working, um, to okay, now I have to <laughs> write these books for people and yeah. work with clients, and you know, and the other work you're doing with you know LinkedIn and some other things and mm-hmm. videos and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, what? What are your, your, your rhythms? I mean, do you have things that you, you say are non-negotiable? What does like a daily habit look like a daily work, work day look like for you? Yeah. Yeah. So it, it varies a lot. I tend to have days, I think uh, probably other people can relate to this where, you know, if I am really, really productive on a Monday, then the next day I tend to be a little bit slower and like, I have a harder time getting going in the morning. It's like the tank is kind of empty. Um, So I try to avoid that as much as possible. For me, the rhythms come around the monthly clients. So for the LinkedIn stuff, I've got monthly clients. Um, So toward the end of the month, I tend to be more busy because I'm like trying to get these things out for for that month. Um, So the beginning of the month tends to feel really uh, more luxurious for me. (laughs) That's when I spend some time, uh, you know, kind of big picture around the business. Um, And for me, when I'm spending about as much time working on the business as working in the business, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm, my tank is pretty much full. Uh, I can find the time I need to write my blog. I, I post to my blog twice a month um, and I post my news, send my newsletter twice a month. Um, so as long as I can find time to do those things, then I'm in good shape. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know that I have an exact rhythm for my days. If something's pressing, I'll generally have to hit that first. You know, if there's a deadline for a client, um, then I'm going to be working on that first in the morning. Um, I do always post on LinkedIn first thing. Um, I spend about an hour these days uh, on LinkedIn between basically 8 and 9 a.m. I'm on there commenting, engaging, uh, creating my post, posting my stuff, um, catching up with people. Um, So that's part of my rhythm. One thing I'm working on now is I've, I've taken this great course. It's called Networking That Pays. And I'm becoming more intentional about my networking. I've always loved networking. Networking is how I help, how I built my business, I would say. Um, but this is a really intentional process where Monday you do one thing, Tuesday you do another thing. You know, each day of the week, you're you know, in theory, you spend five minutes mm-hmm. <laughs> networking with certain people, and you have a a pretty good running list of who you need to be in touch with. Um, so I'm going to give that a go uh, for 2022 okay. and see if I can build my referrals up again. Now I had a, I've, I've been excited to actually ask this question because I've had some ghostwriters on the show and I'm always fascinated by ghostwriters because you're writing a book for someone else. 
And what, not to get too woo woo, but how do you, how do you get into the, the kind of mindset of like, okay, this is a man, I'm a woman, this is a, you know, this is a guy or, you know, a doctor who's laying flooring. I mean, I'm just making stuff up, but it's like, how how do I get, how do you get into that kind of mindset where it's not just Emily's voice, but it's, it's it's kind of their voice or, or at least it sounds like it should be them. Is there any kind of habits, practices, prayers, like what what do you, what do you do to kind of mindset. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I describe it as analogous to being kind of an actor, you know, where you're taking on a role. And, you know, some actors go to real extremes, right? Like I think Matthew McConaughey for what for his role in um the Dallas Buyers Club, he he plays a, a person who has AIDS and and dies mm-hmm. from AIDS. Mm-hmm. And he like lost 30 pounds or, you know, something like that. He went, went really far into that role and took that on. I don't think I go to that extreme (laughs) with with what I'm doing. Um, But, you know, I, I think I naturally hear words, you know, I'm a wordsmith, lots of writers are wordsmiths. And I pick up on how people say different things. I pick up on the jokes my clients make. Mm -hmm. And I sort of take mental note of a lot of that, or, you know, I use my pen and paper and take a lot of notes when I'm talking to them. Mm -hmm. Um, But I really kind of pick up on their voice that way. And, you know, I'll even find myself like, I mean, maybe I am like Matthew McConaughey. I did, I did write a weight loss book one time and I started having all these body image (laughs) challenges were coming Mm -hmm. up for me and that kind of thing. So, you know, there is some emotional, uh, you know, labor that goes into um, what I'm doing. Um, But yeah, you know, I, I just, it comes kind of natural to me. I think that that's why I gravitated toward ghostwriting. I, I like the challenge of figuring out what makes you tick and, fi- you know, oh, oh, you're a Jets fan. Okay. Let's see if we can work that into mm-hmm. you know something right. in, in, yeah. the, in the work. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's probably, I mean, it's probably similar. I mean, like you think of like method acting. I mean, it's those that yeah. kind of live in that world. Uh, I forget yeah. the guy, who's the guy that played uh, Lincoln um, uh-huh. for, for the actor, but I mean, he's, he's yeah. that guy where it's like, don't talk to me. I'm Abraham Lincoln like, right. around the set, that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> right. But I imagine like, like a fiction writer too, like they're writing in a voice that's not their own, their characters, yeah. right? It's yeah. like, how do you, how do you get in that space that it doesn't just sound like you mm-hmm. <laughs> having a conversation, but, yeah. but yeah. it's that person, right? It's kind of their cadence, their jokes, their sure. humor, their background. Um, yeah. I think it's interesting. You know, the question of ghostwriting for fiction, I always think, oh, I could never do that. Like that feels more like art to me mm-hmm. than what I, I, what I, I feel like I'm doing kind of nuts and bolts writing when I'm doing mm-hmm. nonfiction. But I suppose if you are a fiction writer I've never written fiction but if you are a fiction writer I, I'm there's no reason why you couldn't also get into that headspace of mm-hmm. another author and, and it may even be easier because you're so used to <laughs> coming up mm-hmm. with these characters and these yeah. worlds yeah well and I think it's you know the someone asked Stephen King once you know what's what's your writing advice and he said you know hands down two things very simple read a lot and write a lot yeah and yeah. I think when you read a lot, you do pick up on different, you know, yeah. nuance and cadence. Cause I mean, some, you know, nonfiction books, they're not super, you don't feel the author in there necessarily a lot of yeah. times. I mean, it could be mm-hmm. data. It could be information. It's mm-hmm. like anyone could write that, right. um, but it's when they tell their stories, it's when they get personal. Well, obviously yeah. you need to kind of, you know, harness that. Um, yeah. But when you read a lot, I think when you read a lot of nonfiction, read a lot of fiction, you'll, you'll pick up on things and you'll, you'll kind of <laughs> see how books are laid out and how they, you know, do dialogue, how they tell stories, how they, you know, whatever. Um, definitely really good. Mm-hmm. No, thanks for, for answering that. Cause I'm always fascinated by able to like harness someone else's kind of, you know, sword, yeah. uh, those kinds of things. That's good. Um, 
Now, a uh, couple of things before we, we kind of land the plane here. I really appreciate your, your time um, is, you know, what are, where would you say are, are kind of the, the needs uh, in our current kind of writing publishing world? I mean, whether that's, you know, mainly your world, it's obviously nonfiction, things like that. I mean, how do we, you know, do we need to keep encouraging people to be telling their stories through books or there other mediums? I mean, kind of just, you know, when you, you, I know you're, you have your hands in a lot of things. So <laughs> I'm just yeah. always curious, like where, where you're seeing trends or seeing things happening mm. that, that are kind of interesting. Cause it, it's mm. like, the, again, the minute someone says it's all video, then it's like, no, it's not all video. It's this or it's audio or it's, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. What are some things that you're kind of seeing that I think are, you know, helpful to get people's stories out there were, you know, words out there, ideas out mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. So again, you know, I think having your book and your ideas out in as many mediums as you can is definitely helpful. Um, before the pandemic, I was never doing video. And I said, <laughs> I hate video. I never watch videos online. I'm not doing it. Um, but then, you know, I, I realized, you know, this, I like interviewing people and I could do that in a video setting. And so I started, you know, I think it's a lot about what you love, figuring out what your strengths are, and really just leaning into those. Um, so if, if you know, you're not a great writer, and you don't want to hire a ghostwriter, you know, it's perfectly fine to go on video, it's perfectly fine to uh, write social media posts and, and gain a following that way. Uh, I think the, the thing we should be encouraging people to do is get their ideas out there, because I think there's a real need for ideas, and there's a real need for critical thought. And that all goes back to what are you consuming, (laughs) you know, and are you consuming it with, you know, a critical mind with some skepticism, right? Or are you just sort of taking everything in and then sort of, you know, going with the, the way, whichever the way the wind blows. Um, So I think there's a, a huge need for critical thinking. And I think we're starting to see more of that coming into play. Like, I think we're seeing people starting to question more of what they're reading online. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we're starting to realize that there's a, there's, you know, there are certain sources that are reputable and certain ones that aren't. And I think people are starting to kind of think more about that. Um, or at least I hope. <laughs> so are you saying case. not everything on the internet is true? Is that what you're saying? That's what it feels yeah. like you're saying. Cause I feel right. like my head just exploded. <laughs> rethink all my life choices. Um, yeah. I no, used to I do think- this thing with my uh, students. I used to say, okay, you know, here's a belief. Oranges are good for you. And then, you know, we'd look online and we'd see how many articles we could find saying oranges are good for you and oranges are bad for you. You know, I mean, and you mm-hmm. can find that with anything. Oh so, yeah. So, yeah. Well, I'm old, I'm old enough, you know, the whole egg debate, you know, how many times yeah. I heard the egg debate? Are they good for you? Are they not? Are right. they killing us? You know, we don't, right. you know, I know. The all egg diet, the no egg diet. Right. You know, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's really helpful. I, I going back a little bit uh, when you said almost like finding what you're comfortable with. I think yeah. a lot of smart people are just kind of saying that, like, cause I think there's this pressure. There's so many platforms, so many, yeah. you know, video, audio writing, you know, I mean, you name it. Right. Yeah. Um, but just do what you're good at. If you're a writer, write. If you're, you know, mm-hmm. great on a camera, you know, speak, you know, yeah. or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, you don't have to do everything. And I think that's, you know, you're really going to think do better when you really focus in on what you're, and I think yeah. you, you get more confident that way and you get, you, you're more passionate about it. If you don't, like you said, it's like, no, well, maybe I'm not good at the camera. And then you realize, oh, maybe I can do this. I like interviewing people. Yeah. You know, that's, that's something I'm good at, but maybe I don't want to sit up there and give lectures or, you know, whatever it is. Right. Um, yeah. 
That's, that's good. I think that's just mm-hmm. kind of know thyself. I think that's really helpful. Yeah. Helpful yeah. And I think, you know, there's an audience for everything out there and it doesn't take as many people as you think it takes to, mm-hmm. to make, to be successful. You know, there's yeah. that idea of having a thousand true fans, right? There's always going to be a thousand people who want to yeah. read a book. You know. <laughs> you <Yep>. know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I actually have a friend. It's interesting. He, he told me the other day that, and I didn't even know this. And he, he said, you know, actually I read my news and the reason he does that is just so you take kind of the emotion out of it or, yeah. the, you know, the visual out of it. It's just, I just want to read yeah. the information, not get my, you know, mm-hmm. get caught off on a video that's, you know, somebody's playing or, you know, crying or you yeah. know, it's just like, I just want to kind of read it. So uh, yeah. again, there's, there's something for everybody. Yeah. Um, all right, Emily, we've gone here and here and fro and we've covered a yeah. lot of ground. Yeah. Um, tell us what you are working on right now. I mean, you don't have to tell us obviously clients, but yeah. What are some things you're, you're working on? You're excited about what's coming in 2022. And then also where can people find you if they want to work with you? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So I mentioned that I started a book this year. I am working on that and I'm looking forward to getting back to it with a little bit of the peace and calm of the holiday time coming up here. Um, So I'm excited about that. It's going to be about owning your expertise, which is also my video series that you can find on LinkedIn and on my YouTube channel. Um, But the easiest way to find me is on my website, which is thepocketphd.com. I am also always on LinkedIn. It's Emily Crookston there. And you can find me on Twitter, E.M. Crookston. Right on. Well, I mean, this has been fantastic and uh, I love having interesting people on the show. And I know uh, all the things that you shared, all your deep philosophical wisdom is going to help a lot of people. Uh, So thank you for coming on the show and being with us. And I look forward to sharing this with other people. So thanks again. Awesome. Thanks, Ryan. Thank you. Well, there you have it. Prolific creator nation. Emily Crookston, go check out Emily Crookston, put all of her information in the show notes, thepocketphd.com. And I really appreciate Emily's honesty and challenges and struggles of, of ghostwriting and her own writing and her own creativity. And hopefully there's a bunch of gems that you can kind of pull from what she shared because she writes a lot of books and helps people write a lot of books. And she really knows uh, what is a good book and what we should be thinking about as we put our books uh, together. Uh, what to include and, and why people write, read, I should say, read books and, and, and why they pick them up in the first place. And so um, go check out Emily's stuff. If you'd like to work with her, all her information is there on her website. So thank you, Emily, for coming by the show. And like I said at the beginning, sign up for the newsletter, ryanjpelton.com. Uh, check out all the old episodes of the podcast. There's a lot of great free resources on the website as well. Just say hello. I'd love to know who you are. I'd love to know what you're up to, what you're making, what you're doing. Uh, that's probably one of my favorite things uh, to do. You can you can find me online too. Uh, it's pretty easy. Uh, but yeah, say hello. Sit, tell me what you're what you're working on. And if you need any help with anything, let me know. I, I, I always love giving feedback as well. I love you to ask great questions, how to get started, or if you're in the middle of a project, uh, what to be thinking about, how to get it done, where to publish, where to do whatever you're looking to do. And so anyway, I'm so thankful to be back in action Easter 2022 and looking forward to the rest of the year and uh, all the great interviews coming down the pipe. So without further ado, I'm going to sign off. But before we do go and make great art with your life and I'll talk to you real, real soon.